Witness protection can't erase his past. This is Nailgun Messiah, the first book in the Micah Reed series. One novel, read to you a chapter at a time. Join us each week for a new installment of the story and get the book at jimheskett.com forward slash nailgun podcast. And now, the host and author, Jim Heskett. Oh, hey guys. Welcome back to Nailgun Messiah Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Heskett, just like the British guy already told you, so I don't know why I'm telling you again. Anyway, it's good to be back. I hope you're um, doing well. Me? I'm fucking fantastic. I mean, I'm fantastic. I'm trying not to swear as much because, you know, I got the kid now and he, um, boy, he's 20 months old and he can repeat anything. So I'm really trying not to say things like fuck and shit and all those things that I shouldn't be saying. Anyway... I hope I haven't just alienated half the audience. Hopefully not, because you've heard some of those F-bombs in the story I've been reading, so you probably, those people probably tuned out long time ago. Anyway, I just wanted to do a little bit of uh, housekeeping before I start. I know I've been promising you guys for a while that I was going to do, like, tell you about the origin of Micah Reed and and some other stuff and this kind of stuff and schnitzel, and uh, I'm going to do all that, but I'm saving more of that stuff towards the end of the show, even though I know we've only got like six or seven episodes left, but uh, I want to save some of the goodies and we'll probably have some longer episodes because the readings are probably going to get kind of shorter as we get closer to the end of the book. And I know that in the last episode, we left off with quite a bit of a cliffhanger, and so you probably don't want to hear a whole lot of blah 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 from me in the beginning. You want to get right down to the reading, and I'm cool with that. I can understand that. So let's just start off with a bit of a recap about where we left things in the last episode. So if you remember, we left things off with a the cliffhanger that... Um, so Micah had agreed to help Rodney install the security equipment in uh, Lila's bedroom. Well, Micah had installed the key logger on her computer, and Rodney was going into her bedroom to install the um, surveillance cameras, and Micah's job was to act as a lookout. And he saw Lila coming up the driveway, and he turned around and went to go run to warn Rodney. But instead, he found Eagle, the cop who lives in the house, standing right behind him. Eagle snuck up on him. And that's where we left things off in the last uh, last episode. A couple other things to remind everybody of. If you remember the subplot that was going on between Lila and Father Thomas Benedict, the Catholic priest in town who wanted to help Hannah get out of the house you remember that lila uh, um, upon suggestion from cyrus believes that father benedict is the one who is spoiling their website and causing them not to get traffic to their true mana website so she started uh, um, planting seeds around the internet that father thomas um, had previously been accused of molesting children when he was a priest in idaho And I think that's probably all the recap we need to do. I think you can pick up on um, the story as we're going along. So I'll just go ahead and get rid of all the foofy-foof stuff, and we'll just go ahead and get into our reading. There's three separate scenes we're reading today, so it'll be, like always, a little pause in between the scenes. Here we go. Micah stared in horror at the dark and stern visage of Eagle standing before him in the den. He was out of his cop uniform and back into his black shirt and black duster jacket, standard eagle attire. 
The pockmarks on his face made him seem larger for some reason, the craterous surface of the moon hovering above Micah. You look upset, Eagle said. Something wrong? Micah swallowed. Did Eagle know that Rodney was around the corner invading Lila's personal space to install cameras? Maybe he hadn't been by her room yet. Micah had to keep Eagle occupied to give the ATF agent time to finish what he was doing. But Lila was driving up to the house, so she would be here at any second. He didn't think he could keep both of them at bay without revealing his involvement. It's uh, been a rough day, Micah said, talking loud enough that Rodney would hopefully hear him. Has it? Yeah, work is, you know, all those long hours of being on my feet. I'm I'm not used to it. I don't have quite the same endurance I did when I was in my early 20s, you know? I make little grunts when I sit and stand now. Eagle didn't even grin at the joke. The front door opened, and at the same time, a noise came from Lilo's bedroom, furniture scraping across the floor. Eagle turned his head toward the sound and tucked his long hair behind his ear. What was that? Micah struggled to think of something clever to deflect attention as Lila shut the front door behind her. Rodney was back there doing a surprise redecoration? He and Rodney had found rats living in the walls and they were playing home exterminator? I was thinking about the woodpile on the porch, Micah said, having no idea where he'd go next. Those stacks out there? Maybe we should move them back a few feet? I mean, it might attract termites if we keep them up against the house. Eagle wasn't deterred. He narrowed his eyes, and as his feet pivoted toward Lila's bedroom, Lila cleared her throat and stomped across the room after Eagle. Micah tried to think of something profound to say, but it didn't matter. Lila brushed past him, and she and Eagle headed down the hall toward her room, shoulder to shoulder, sweeping along the hardwood floor like soldiers in step. She was almost as tall as he was. Micah nearly called out, but that would only implicate him too. Rodney was either going to figure a way out of this, or he wasn't. There was nothing to be done to help him now. Lila and Eagle entered her bedroom. Micah creeped behind them and then ducked into the closet across the hall so he could get a look at the action. He nestled into the tiny space among the blankets and hanging coats and focused on seeing into the slim crack of the open door. He saw Lila and Eagle standing with Rodney sitting on the floor, arms clutching his sides, tears running down his face, sniffing uncontrollably. He appeared to be an inconsolable wreck. What was his game? You know you're not allowed in here, ever, Lila said, her voice seething with rage and her fists clenched at her sides. I'm sorry, Rodney said through his weeping. I had to get online so I could contact him. I know your room is your private space, but you have a computer and I didn't know what else to do. Contact who, Eagle said. Lila dragged fingernails up and down her forearms, scratching at her dry skin. He's seeing somebody else now, Rodney said. Or at least that's what I heard, at least. I know we broke up, but he said he would love me forever. How could he move on so fast? Why, why would he do that to me when we still had a chance to build a life together someday? Micah almost laughed. Maybe Rodney had worked this out in advance in case he got caught. But either way, this ploy was pure genius. Driven to subvert the rules by a broken heart, Rodney was selling it so well with the weepy speech that Lila and Eagle might actually buy it. Lila knelt in front of him and Micah couldn't see her face through the tiny slitted view between the two rooms. But he heard Lila slap him, hard. The sound echoed into the hallway, flesh on flesh. Her back and shoulders heaved and she seemed to grow in size. 
Then she raked in a sharp breath and bellowed, I don't give a shit what you wanted to do. This is my room. You don't ever come in here. Her voice had risen to a scream and there was some shuffling, but Micah couldn't see. Next thing he saw was Eagle with his arms around Lila, dragging her back out of the room while she struggled to get away. Benedict peered through the gap in the curtains, out the window of the sacristy, and onto the front lawn of the church. The town had already thickened with people gathering for the Frozen Dead Guy Days festival, which officially started tomorrow. Netherland had been swelling in anticipation for a week or two, but the people Benedict observed on the lawn of Sacred Heart weren't here for mass or for the festival. They were here to declare their hatred for molestation and abuse. They had cardboard signs nailed to sticks, which they pumped up and down while they shouted at the church. Signs like swords they were using to stab at the sky. These were the same people frothing when they had called on the phone since yesterday afternoon, leaving hateful messages and making demands. The blogs, the news stationed, the concerned parents of children who attended Sacred Heart. In his office, the light on his private phone blinked red, indicating a voicemail. A message from the bishop, no doubt. How had this happened? How had he come to be made a monster? Yesterday he'd been a small-town priest, and today he was a child molester the community had already tried and convicted with seemingly no evidence. But he didn't need to cycle through many options to discover the instigator. Lila had to be responsible. She was the only demon with that level of malice in her heart that could spread such hate about a person. And as he watched the people with their signs march in a circle on the church lawn, he couldn't help but find himself partially to blame. He had trespassed on her property. He had inserted himself into her affairs by trying to help young Hannah. Even though his intentions had been good, he'd invited the wrath of a wicked person, and that rarely ends well. But causes and conditions aside, his time in Netherland would be over soon. The mere appearance of that kind of impropriety would ruin him. Even if he could prove his innocence, that little detail wouldn't matter to the rabid masses angry for a million unrelated reasons. The ones looking to burn him to make themselves feel as if some kind of justice had been served. Justice. What a false prophet that was. Benedict didn't want to go somewhere else and start again, not after all he'd been through to get here from Boise. But, with this kind of attention, he might not have any other choice. Who could receive communion from a priest they believed would harm their children? Who would seek confession or counseling from a man they believed to be so sick and twisted? He left the sacristy and entered the chapel, grateful that the protesters hadn't come into the building at least. They respected a house of God, and that was good. He would have to sneak out the exit through the back and skirt around Chipetta Park if he wanted to leave at all this evening, like a criminal hiding his face. But one person did sit in the last pew of the chapel, and he squinted to make her out from so far away. Long blonde hair, doe eyes, and a look of pained fury on her face. Hannah, he said as he hurried down the aisle to her. His steps echoed off the high ceilings. She shook her head as she spoke, her jaw clenched. I couldn't get the passports, father. I tried, but she has them locked away in a safe, and I don't know how to break into it. There's nothing else I can do. This was a serious problem, but he did his best to keep his expression neutral. He was surprised that she'd even tried, because he had almost considered her a lost cause. I understand. I appreciate the risk you took in trying. 
She looked up at him with slanted and wet eyes. All the sacrifices I've made? Every time I've put aside what I wanted for the greater good? And all of it was pushing me further and further down into this jail cell? He patted her hand, which was clenched so tightly it vibrated. You've been through a lot. You have no idea, Father. Well, maybe we can't get the passports, but that doesn't mean we have to stay prisoners here. What are you saying? Tomorrow, meet me on the main street during the parade, behind the gem shop if there's room, in front of it if we can't meet there for some other reason. Meeting on the street would put him in the path of protesters, but he couldn't worry about that. You and I, and your husband Garrett, will gather, and we'll leave. We'll simply go. But without the passport, I can't go home. No, I would suspect not. But you don't have to go to Canada to escape this vile woman who's keeping you prisoner. I'd rather send her to jail than escape. Rather club her over the head with a baseball bat. This kind of malice was strange coming from the innocent-looking young lady. But he understood her anger and didn't judge her for lashing out. Thinking like that doesn't help. Hannah's jaw unclenched as tears rolled down her cheeks. I just want to go home. He slid next to her and put an arm around her, and she rested her head on his shoulder. She felt so frail and vulnerable while cradled in his embrace, like a frightened child. I know, he said. I'm sorry, but this is the best we can do. Lila seethed. A pile of letters around her on the floor fanned out like waves emanating from a rock dropped into a pond. Years of correspondence with Cyrus. Years of promises and love and commandments and talk of the past and future. A relationship lived for the last eight years on a theoretical level based on the combination of history and a set of expectations. The faucet in her bathroom sink bled droplets of water into the basement. Tap, tap, tap. She dragged her fingernails along her forearm skin, watching the trail of white appear and then fade. Below the surface, blood rushed through the veins, sending information to organs. She could feel the blood pushing, working, making her live. The anchor inside of her burned so fierce that she couldn't control it. A headache swelled to make her head an enormous, throbbing balloon dotting her vision with white. And even though it was a bad idea... She opened her laptop and navigated to the True Mana website dashboard, then refreshed the page count statistics. Still abysmal. Water in the bathroom basin? Tap, tap, tap. The priest was disgraced and therefore out of the way, yet the website traffic had not picked up. Cyrus had promised that removing him from the equation would take care of that. It hadn't. How could Cyrus have been wrong about such a thing? Was this priest not the cause? She turned the key to open the locked side drawer of her desk and remove the revolver. One of two pistols she owned, the other outside in a hidden location on the property, the emergency gun. But they weren't even her guns, were they? Cyrus had bought them for her. They were pieces of him in every part of her being, as if he were a limb she couldn't imagine losing, a foot. No one thinks about it would be like to not have a foot until it's somehow taken from you. She rotated the implement of destruction in her hands. It felt heavy, which is how a thing capable of killing ought to feel. It should not be an easy task to lift such a deadly device. It should not be easy to take a life with the flick of a switch or the press of a button. Water from the bathroom faucet. 
Tap, tap, tap. Magdalene. Magdalene should have been trustworthy. Magdalene should have been solid, but Lila wasn't even sure anymore. When people change, it becomes too easy to question all your beliefs. View all things through the lens of doubt. Her skin crawled, and she put the gun back, then raked her fingernails along her arm again, and the scratch brought a momentary sense of relief. But the burn came back too quickly, returned to her chair, felt herself sink into the fabric. Couldn't think straight. Burning. Bugs on the skin. Crawling. Maggots burrowing deep, pushing themselves into her muscles, making her move. Cyrus coming back tomorrow. The day she'd been thinking about for eight years. Red X's marking days in a paper calendar, counting down to a day circled. Judgment Day coming soon. Lila leaned back in her chair, pushing breath out of her lungs at the ceiling. She watched the invisible vapor of carbon dioxide mix with the air in this room, twisting and bonding and becoming one. Feeling her neck stretch, wanting to scream, fighting the urge to giggle for no reason at all, how had her world, which had been so certain, devolved into such chaos? Everything was falling apart, and Lila knew exactly who to blame. All right, everybody, that is our reading for this episode. Only one day till Cyrus gets out of prison, so you know shit's about to get real. Shit's about to get real! Anyway, um, yeah, that was way over the top, I apologize. But Lila knows who to blame, and so who is she going to blame? We're going to find that out next time on the Nailgun Messiah podcast, your favorite podcast in the world. And go tell all your friends you believe that so that they listen to the show. Because, uh, yeah, we want the entire universe listening to the show. People who've never heard a podcast before, first you have to tell them what a podcast is, then you tell them about this show. Anyway, that's all I have to say for this week, guys. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And I will see you guys soon. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to this week's installment of Nailgun Messiah. Be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes and tell your friends about it. Don't deprive them of this show. Go to www.jimheskid.com forward slash nailgun podcast for information and we'll see you next week. 